When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, y'all. Hey, hey, y'all. This one is explicit. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Elsie. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? That <laughs> was that weird. Sorry. Oh my God. So we've just been messing around with Webinar Jam, and there's nothing yeah. more annoying than not being able to make things work. Isn't that the most annoying thing ever? It just seems. Oh, we're gonna make it work. Well, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is like. I have not been beaten by technology yet. No, but it's annoying as all get out. It is. It is annoying. Now we're all amped up. You know, uh, amped up, and yes, so. Happy Labor Day weekend! Yay! Yeah, you're like, yay! Do you do anything special for Labor Day? No, I labor. I work usually. Well, no, I labor. See, four years ago on Labor Day weekend, I, in fact, labored. And I gave birth to a human. Right? Mazel! I know, right? Right On, on Labor Day. Well, she was born on that Sunday before Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun and exciting. I mean, up until now, I've worked. Now that I have a baby, I'll probably have to have a barbecue. Really? We've never yeah. had. We've we're so the non-celebratory family. Like we barely even do anything for Christmas. You don't live near anyone. Well, yeah, but even when we did leave live near everyone, it was like there was no. There's never like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, we do. We'll probably end up having dinner for my mother and a lot of my sister in law. Yeah. I mean, we usually bar, we've usually barbecued. Yeah, we're probably going to be celebrating or are celebrating or either have and continue to celebrate um, my daughter's fourth birthday. So that is going to be exciting and fun. Yeah. Can't believe it. I know, it's crazy. We might even go to the outlets on Sunday, like at that Lancaster in like Amishville, Lancaster, PA. Uh-huh. I do that too. Yeah, we might do that. And I mean, we'll also try and go to the pool the last weekend you can possibly go to the pool. I may do that too. Things are all closing up. Oh my God, things are closing up. Not that we even care either because, you know, we're not uh, near very many things where you can do that. But oh gosh, well. I know, but I, it's like I, I, it's like the whole summer is just gone now. I'm always sad. I'm happy and I'm sad. Yeah. I'm always happy and sad. Happy because. I hate summer clothes so much. Do you? I hate them. I oh. don't like tank tops. I don't like shorts. I don't like t-shirts. I don't like capri pedal pushers. I like sweaters and scarves and and yoga pants. I like to be layered a lot. I'm so much more comfortable when I'm like all covered up and cozy. It's like wearing – I like have a lot of sweaters that are like blankies. Yeah, well, no, I have, I love comfy and cozy too, but I love my summer clothes. Like, I love my summer, like, I don't have any clothes that I feel cute in 
for winter that that I feel cute in. I feel warm and fuzzy in, and there's lots of clothes that I am obsessed with because I love how warm and fuzzy they are, and they make me feel just yummy. But they, I, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily make me look scarves y- yummy. You know what I mean? Like it, trick is scarves. I hate scarves. Why? I can't stand them because they're annoying. Why would you want to wrap something around your neck? I like like cowl things and those, you know, those things that are just on your neck. Yeah, cowl. Yeah. The things that you pull over your head. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, those things. Neck gaiters. I love neck gaiters. I don't even know what that is. That sounds fun. (laughs) Well, they're just the, it's just like the, the top part of like a turtleneck. It's just the turtleneck part. So you pull Mm -hmm. it over your head and it like, it's not like a scarf and it's not necessarily like a cowl. Like a cowl is very like bunchy and sort of like, uh, I don't know, it falls off your neck. A cat, like a Mm -hmm. a neck eater is like it attaches to your neck more, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. those things I live in. Because yeah, but I do not. Those Those things are good. And they get out of your way. So it's out of my way. It's not like falling off of me every single time. And I'm trying to whip the damn thing around me. Um, No, I am. In fact, I think I'm going to get rid of all of my scarves. Because because I don't wear them. I don't wear them. I love them. So, okay. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> How did we get I'll be sad about the pool, even though I didn't even own a bathing suit this whole season. Oh and I'll God. be sad about water ice going away. I don't like when the water ice guy's packing up. That upsets You're me. You're just obsessed with the ice again with the ice. I am. Uh, oh my God. It's weird. Dude, you're so You're ice. right. Focus. You know what's funny is it's even worse right now because like our ice maker isn't working and it's like my life is over. Oh God. It's true. I have to have a lot of ice. I basically buy a bag of ice every day now since <gasps> it's not working. I'm not kidding. Wow. I use so much ice. I cannot ha- stand a lukewarm drink. Apparently, this is an idiosyncrasy. I've always thought everybody was like this. Yes, I know. I don't. I like ice on specific things, like maybe lemonade sometimes. Of course, iced tea sometimes. But you know what? I've been drinking my iced tea like I have. I make my iced tea at home and then I just pour the iced tea inside of my cup and then I'll have it like that. I don't I don't put ice in it. It's just already cold. Unheard of. I can't do it. (laughs) Nope. And ope. And ope. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. In fact, if you'll notice, if you guys have ever been to an Indian restaurant, they I don't want to say they don't believe in ice. They don't necessarily put it in your drink. Like, I think they drink things lukewarm and probably that would be right because it goes probably better with spicy food than like cold if it's too spicy, like a cold drink's not going to do diddles for you. But the first time I went to an Indian restaurant, I was like, where the hell is all the ice? And so I asked him to give me an ice. He came back with like three cubes. Yeah. Well, no, see, that's in, in Ayurvedic teachings, like ice actually hinders your ability to digest. It, it cools right. off your digestive fire and it doesn't, it, it just makes it not digest as properly as you can. So drinking water lukewarm is actually the best thing that you can have for yourself. And as, adding ice to it, it's just not okay, especially for types like me who tend to run cold. And yeah. um, I get cold easily. I'm very flighty. I'm very ungrounded when I'm completely out of whack. So drinking icy things for me is not the optimal thing to do. Of course, I do drink them when it's like summer and it's and, and I want a cool drink, but it's not the best even for my digestive system there. It cools it off and then I can't go to the bathroom. <laughs> so, oh, for peace sake. I know. So that's why, that's why in Indian restaurants, it does not facilitate 
digestion. And usually that, that's why they also have the little fennel seeds when you leave in the little butt in the little bowl. Little fennel seeds. Fennel is a wonderful spice to to help digestion. So yeah, have- that I do believe in. Yeah, I, so. In fact, if I don't have fennel, I just invest in good and plenties and I eat those too. What is good and plenties? <laughs> they're, they're like the licorice pieces with candy coating. Oh. It's like movie theater candy. Really? They're good and plenties. Purple box. Don't tell me you've never seen good I've and never plenties. seen that ever. Your I have no, I don't not, even know what you're talking some. about. Completely have no clue. Full Shit. I do not know. Good and Plenty's. Have you seen Mike and Ike's? What is that? What? What? <laughs> Mike I have, and Ike's. I don't know what they that are is. Small cylindric candies. They're little cylinders, and Mike and Ike's are fruity. Good and Plenty's are licorice. Mike and Ike's do not have a candy coating. They're just, they're like jelly beans, kind of. I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? I, I mean, I have no clue. I've never been a candy girl. And when I was a candy girl, I was in El Salvador. And El Salvador has completely different candy yes. than well, I, in I the United States. That so, is insane to me. don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I just found out what those little, like, triangle things with the different, the what are those things that they, for um, Halloween those, candy corn? Yeah, I just found those, and those things are disgusting. What do you mean you just found those candy Those are the most corn. disgusting things I have ever had the... Hold on, I'm getting lightheaded. They're just awful. I don't even know what it is. What is that even for? Like, why would you want to have that in your mouth? I just don't get it. When there's chocolate. People, I don't understand. Okay. When it comes to candy corn, you need to know, people are either obsessed with candy corn or they flipping hate them. Yeah, I, I'm the... You can't... Yeah, I don't There's like no that. middle ground with candy corn. I never met someone that was just like, eh, about candy corn. You're either like can't get enough candy corn or you flipping hate candy yeah, corn. Yeah, I don't like candy corn. So is that what those are? Are they made sort of like candy corn? Is it like a candy like that type it's of candy? It's supposed to look like a piece of corn because it's harvesty, right? So like if you look at like a like corn, like you know how they have like like dried corn cobs that you hang on your door or whatever? Right. Like if you, look, if you take a kernel off and look at it, they're like – it is kind of like a gradient coloring. Okay, so they yeah, made but it's, a candy. Yeah, to kind of look like disgusting. that. Well, have you ever? Well, of course you have not. Have you ever? Well, okay. So what, this what? is what we have. Like when we have, like when you were talking about corn and sort of like a treat, I guess there's something called elotes cocos, and then they're like it's corn. It's corn, but it's corn on a husk. You know, corn, corn on the cob, and then you put yeah. like, oh my god. I didn't. It sounds. It sounds like just crazy. Okay, you put like mustard and mayo and ketchup on it and all kinds of other stuff all on top of it, and you eat it like that. You're talking about corn on the cob, right? Yeah, I like corn on the cob with um the mayo or and the cheese on it. I've had Mexican. It's Mexican. That's not from El Salvador. Well, it's a let. It's a Latino a thing. It's version. like, or maybe it's yeah. El Salvador. Well, uh, well, because see, there's a lot of cocos, which are it's actually El Salvadorian grilled corn, is what it is. Yeah, that's kind of what. It, yeah, this is the same thing. It's delish. It is like you put Dijon mustard, mayo, ketchup, and then you put yeah. queso blanco. You put like cheese on it. So that what you're and, describing and cayenne. Does sound disgusting. And, and then lie, and then you you know you accompany it with cayenne or lime wedges and salt. Yeah, yeah. This is all very familiar, except what you're describing with mustard and ketchup. Although I don't mind them together, I don't want them on corn. I eat. 
We're so off topic. Oh my God, we're so off topic. So at Trader Joe's, they have these little like hot dogs that are wrapped in like a Parmesan puff. They're like pigs in a blanket, but the blanket's sort of like a biscuit or a or a puff pastry. Anyway, I used I usually make a combination of ketchup and mustard on my plate, like a I mix it together and dip it in that. But I don't put it on corn, and I don't want that with mayo, and I cer- and I certainly wouldn't add cayenne. So what you're describing doesn't appeal to me, but. Yes to the lime, yes to the cheese, yes to the mayo or the butter, whatever they're doing to it. It's kind of a cheesy, buttery, mayo-y combo. And then, yeah, but I've only, I think I've only had a Mexican version. Oh my gosh. No, yeah, well, this is, it's an El Salvadorian thing. So I don't think that there's, you know, I think it's just been picked up by other peeps, but it's a salvy thing. Why, why wouldn't you want to put mayo on a corn? <laughs> I mean, I typically just like butter, salt, and pepper. <laughs> oh my god so okay so let's get on topic here really quickly and just go back so to sorry, some guys. feedback from uh harry duran from podcast junkies mm. who the conversation that we had about technology obsession really resonated with him and how we are sort of like compulsive about it and so he sent us some feedback and we're gonna play it for you right now hey ladies what's up This is Harry Duran of Podcast Junkies. Thank you so much for your recent episode 61 on podcast sponsorships. That was awesome. But the best part of the conversation, the topic you covered at the end about skipping the things that we should be doing for the sake of spending more time on our tech and on our podcast and on our business. It's so crazy. I had this conversation last night with my wife. I used to be a CrossFit fiend going every single day. I felt amazing. I remember that feeling. And... The past year, year and a half has been so sporadic, it's not even funny. But now, I'm so inspired by the conversation you guys had and so reminded of how important it is to take care of our bodies as well as our minds that I'm going to get back on the horse and uh, get back into the gym and I'll report back to you on the progress. But thanks for the motivation. You're not alone. It was awesome. Keep up the good work. I'm loving the podcast, listening as a secret He Podcast fan. See ya. How about that, Jess? We we are going to get him into that? shape. We instigated a movement. Mm-hmm. I'm so not qualified for that movement, but I'm glad that he is like has been inspired by us. That's what? cool. And I did get all my equipment for my new exercise effort, and I just haven't started it yet. But I didn't say what it was online, mm. but you know what it is. Right. Don't you? Do you remember? Yes, I do, but we're not going to talk about it until you start because that would be really awesome. <sighs> until I start. So yes, start, but so anyway, okay. so I'm excited. Good. And um, we'll see. Maybe I'll lose weight. At least I'll learn a skill. That'll be fun. And then <laughs> – No, but um, you know what? I, I mean, think- I have this skill. I'm honing a skill. Right. I have a skill already. The, uh, the whole thing that he was talking about though, Jess, uh, the obsession with – the compulsion, I think what happens with us and is that we have an ingrained mode of mode of moving where there are certain things that we do when the mind is quiet that is, for me, particularly attached to technology. And I feel like that is something that I really need to move away from. So let's say we're sitting here talking and let's say you have to look something up or you're in the middle of a conversation that I'm listening to, but that I'm not actively participating in, like that I need to, like you're, let's say you're explaining something to our listeners. Then when I do mm-hmm. that, I'm listening to you, but I now am compulsively messing with my phone, like tapping buttons and- You mean like while and, we're recording? Yeah. 
I will do that. Like, and, yeah. and I won't retain, like, I don't, I'm not reading. That's just rude. Elsa. I'm not reading. <laughs> I know, right? I know if somebody would see, it's rude. And I think it's it's really absolutely compulsive because it's sort of like my brain needs the escape of my fingers or my thumb messing around with buttons. Um, I have a solution for that that I use. You do. So and I, I know what it is. I know what it is. Do you want me to say? Let me see if I can guess. Oh, my God. You're never going to guess. But go ahead. Okay. Doing your nails. No, I did used to do my nails. Oh. Now I don't bother. They always look like crap no matter what. But you were close. You're very all close. All right. All right. I tweeze my eyebrows. What? While we're recording? Do you yeah. have a mirror in front of you? Yeah. Did you and, just drop yeah. the mirror right now? Is that what that noise was? I was picking it up because you were reminding me. Oh, I, my God. Get out. Yeah. That way, I, because this way I'm doing something, but I'm retaining what you're talking. I'm well, it's not that I'm saying. not retaining what you're saying. I, I just can't stare off into space and listen. I've got to be doing something and I don't want to look at my phone because then I'm afraid I won't be able to, I won't. Like there are once, what maybe once a month, you'll say something and I'll go, right, because I haven't been listening. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and I don't want to oh, do that. that? I know it makes me sound like an idiot. So instead, I just tweeze my eyebrows. All right. That's right. good. Okay. I don't, probably don't give a shit about your eyebrows, but like, I don't know, tweeze something else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But the whole, but the whole point I think that it is here is that there are certain kinds of behaviors that we or me, well, I'm talking for myself that I have been compulsively doing that are not serving me like at all like that there's no reason for me to do this again now right there's people who check their email you know I, I don't know how many times a day and even when I see the large number it's still only a percentage of the times that I obsessively check things and and it's not for any other I guess the hit would be receiving an email and going like, oh, I got an email. And it's sort of like, it's so such a compulsive habit. I've been reading The Power of Habit and it's blowing mm-hmm. my mind. I mean, it's such a wonderful book. It's given me so much to think about. What are you laughing at? Are you laughing at me? How many things do you read at one time? That's what I want to know. I read one book that is a sort of like nonfiction and I read a fiction book. So right now I'm... I think you're reading like four nonfiction books right now. Because you're reading the thing by Donna Papacosta. And by the way, thank you, Donna, for um, mentioning us. Yes. And that, and I have to say that, yes, thank you, Donna. It's a wonderful book. But you get, let me tell you why I have not finished reading it. Because it's on PDF and it's on my computer. And I have to sit in front of the computer to read it. And yes, I could, I could put it on my iPhone. I could. But I keep forgetting to do that. And so every time I come to the computer, I'm doing other things. I don't read when I have the computer open in front of me. No, I don't either. So the only way that I actually read is either my Kindle, and that's like where I will put the text stuff. And I know people that I can send that PDF into my Kindle and I can read it. I know that. It's just that there's that's not top of mind when I come and sit down on the computer. Whereas if I'm reading a book, I usually read it on Audible when I'm listening or on Kindle. Everything's already there. So if I tap a button, it's already there. So you are kind of right. I do have, I'm actually, I, I, I have it on Kindle. Well, you can I upload could, PDFs to Kindle, I believe. You can't. That's what I'm saying. You can do, yes, you can. You send it. You can send it via email. I have a lot of PDFs on my Kindle. Oh, all right, all right, all right. But. I hear what you're saying. Sorry. But I just I was listening this time. I, I haven't done it. But anyway, yes, I usually read a fiction book and then I read a nonfiction book. I am more partial to the fiction books though, because they make me happy. But the power, like the power of habits, amazing. Charles Duhigg, D U H I G G. 
Very, very good book. Very good book. Oh, my God. It's blowing my mind. So I can't wait to keep reading. I'm halfway. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like a quarter, a third of the way through. So, Harry, cool. you should read that book, Harry, because it's going to help you. And it's helping me at least recognize how crazy I am about my behaviors. And to know that it's in a part of my brain that it's the most primitive part of your brain. That's insane how these things are ingrained. And it's not even something that you need to think about. The basal ganglia. That's where all of the habits uh, are created in there. So keep that in mind, people. Anyway. She said basal ganglia. I did say basal ganglia. And oh, anyway. But anyway. Okay, here we go. So guys. Wait, at- before we start. Wait. What? I have a question. Uh, at a request for Harry and all the other men who are listening to the show. Because Harry, you heard him say, I listen in secret. And I and most of the guys who, who give us feedback or send us feedback, unless it's Dave Jackson who like just is like, What's up, gals? It's Zave. But most people are just like, <laughs> I'm a secret male listener. Like, don't be a secret listener because we want – I feel now, even though it started out just trying to help the women in podcasting, I know men probably were not listening. I know there's a lot of male listeners now because you're telling us. So tell other people. We would like them to listen as well. And I'm not sure if we – I don't know that I have to rebrand necessarily in order to get dudes to listen. But it is interesting to – for men who podcast and even men who don't. So like tell people to listen. Don't don't keep it a best-kept secret. Who wants that when you're a podcaster? I know. <laughs> not, right? Not me. Not you. So please tell people that you listen and don't say I'm a secret listener. Just say it's a good show for podcasters and be done with it. <laughs> And thank you. And thank I'm not you. trying to sound bossy. Let me just rephrase that. Will you please tell people that you listen and don't keep it a secret? How about that? Uh, it's fantastic. Thank you. That it's was lovely. And it actually really is a fantastic segue to what we have coming up next, which is that for a lot of people, podcasting as a whole is still a secret. So there mm-hmm. is uh, International Podcast Day, uh, which is September 30th. And it is all about helping to spread the word and dedicated to promoting podcasting worldwide through education and public engagement. So you may be asking what you can do to help and what you want to do to get involved on International Podcast Day. There are so many things uh, that they want you to do, but first you have to start the conversation. Go ahead and go to internationalpodcastday.com. And dot check, com if you're dot from Boston. Cam, dot com. So go over there and check that stuff out. Jess and I will be uh, involved in this. At what capacity yep. at this moment? We do not know, <laughs> but we will absolutely we'll be involved. We'll put it on the She Podcast website. So yeah, we'll put it there, but we're also going to be doing other things. And whether we do them together or by ourselves, we will absolutely be bringing this out. And and again, this isn't about like hey, podcast promotion. This is about podcast education, not amongst ourselves, but amongst other, and we're, we're going to actually come to this conversation possibly later on in, in this, but we seem to be already be talking a lot. And Wait a minute. What? What are we doing by ourselves? This is what we would be doing by ourselves, because this is what I think that I'm going to do, and this is going to push my buttons, every single button that I have, and everything good, everything that I believe is the most challenging thing about being a human being, I'm going to try to do in the sake of podcasting, which is... Go up to strangers that I don't know oh. and has start a conversation about podcasting and ask them if they listen and if they don't to talk them through how to listen and what's available for them. I'm going to do that. I'm so not doing that. And <laughs> I, I, even if I do one, 
That's what I'm saying that if we do it by ourselves or together. But see, here's the thing, though, Jess. It's like there's a point now that I'm sick of talking about it and I'm not doing it. I'm not doing what I preach. I'm not. I'm going to share it online. Well, this is what I'm saying. But it's like sharing online is I'm not saying that it's not powerful. That's where I have the most influence. Exactly. But see, here's the thing. There are so much incredible content out there. There are a lot of podcasters that are podcasting about issues, having conversations that are really dear to my heart and are doing fantastic work. And their key audience, their demographic is not a podcast listener. And I'm not talking because they can't be podcast listeners. It's just that they simply don't know that it exists. Period. Mm-hmm. So and they are not going to be the ones that are going to pick up a phone or look into the podcast app if you post it on Facebook. These people are the ones that you're going to have to actually have a conversation with and talk to. And it, for me, it's now come to the point where if I hear another uh, you know, article or conversation about the same podcast over and over and over again. And, ha- and and again, I hear another one of our ladies saying that they're not getting any traction and they're getting really sad about podcasting because their numbers are so low. And it's going to really break my heart because all of the internet marketing stuff that you could do out there can work for people who are already doing podcasts. It's not going to work for people who are not even engaged. With, right. you know, so I, I'm just, I want to be part of the solution. And I, I'm honestly going to step out of my comfort zone and start having these conversations with people because I, well, you know, right. and I, I feel totally awkward. Even seeing, I'm sweating, just, just saying this out loud. I'm totally sweating. Yeah. I, I can't, like, just the thought of me walking up to someone that I don't know and ask and having this conversation is freaking me out. But yeah, I'm so not doing it. There's no way I'm I have to do it. Yeah. For me, I have to do it and because I, I, I also want to get I want to get some data. I honestly do. So that's what I'm going to do for that. Anyway, All right. Good for you. Do you have anything to say about that, Jess? Or to good luck. Oh, thanks. I'm going to post on Facebook about it and probably make a video to teach people how to listen so that that because good. I do feel like. I mean, like I have a huge uh, circle of influence on Facebook and Twitter and I don't have – I'm me walking up to somebody in Wilmington, Delaware is ridiculous. Like they'll probably just look at me like I'm insane. So it's better for me to just post on Facebook because I know that people pay attention to my posts on there. So um, it's it'll be easy for me to convert listeners that way. Yeah. I was very Sorry, interested. Did you hear that ding? That's my baby coming in. Oh, so Hi, cute. Baby. Hi, baby. So I I have a little bit of, before we get to our main topic really quick, I have a little bit of insight. I started to ask people about search and what they search for, because that's another thing. People are like, oh my God, search is so hard or and iTunes, or people are constantly doing all kinds of, you know, iTunes search optimization and, and keywording everything up the butt. But really in all honesty, from what, from the small amount of research that I did, people aren't searching period. They don't search. And then for the, uh, you know, and I asked specifically on Facebook groups, I asked for people to tell me the the last thing they searched for in iTunes and tell me, you know, I, I really wanted to also know the exact keywords that they put in there and when, and if they didn't go in there, like, do they not use iTunes to search? So there was a lot of information that I gleaned from the podcasters themselves, which I am going to talk about at a different time. But what was okay. the most important or interesting for me is that I posted it on my own Facebook personal page and I didn't guide people to say, like, if you listen to podcasts, 
I just said iTunes. I said, when you went, when the last time that you went into iTunes, what did you search for? Right. And I would yeah. say from that post, about 70 to 80% of people wrote down that they searched for apps. So no music. Apps was number one. Music was number two. And the third was never going to iTunes. So it's one of those things where wow. people aren't really going into iTunes to search for podcasts, period. New ones. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm saying. And this goes back to the conversation from before where it's like these are people whose lives do not revolve around podcasts or podcast consumption. These are people who are your everyday folk who go into iTunes to download an app and they go find a song. Uh, so you're saying we need an app. So I'm not saying I need an app. I'm saying we need to educate people about podcasts, period, <laughs> that there is another kind of, of conversation there. You know, but even if they go into apps, though, it's the same thing. The algorithm is so screwed. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. But yes, apps would actually be helpful, I think, are more helpful than anything else. All right. So. Yeah, I definitely feel like people just don't know how to do it. Yeah. In fact, my friend was like, I'd like to listen to your show. How do I do it? She sent it to me yesterday on the phone. Yep. Did you tell yeah. her? Yeah. What did you say? I know she has an iPhone. I just said, go to the podcast app and Google Kupferman and you'll find my shows. That's great. That's great. Yeah. That's pretty easy. See, last much name. It. That's awesome. All right. Now, after 30 minutes of chatting, we are now at our main chunk of the conversation. La, yes. la, la. So we were talking about online safety last time and privacy. Uh, and we, you know, shared a lot of our sort of like perspectives and stories of where we're coming from and whatnot. And a lot of this is also, again, in, not instigated because I reached out to her. It's instigated by me. But Callie Fulmer really provided a lot of help for us here. Um, and she is at PossibilitySparks.com. Unfortunately, I said the wrong name last time and um, she corrected me. So PossibilitySparks.com. Uh, but we uh, are going to kind of talk about in real life safety now uh, as it pertains, you know, because we just came back from podcast movement. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And um, it's a whole other I mean, not to say that podcasters are not scary. So this is it's not like I, I'm coming to this from the perspective of like, I felt like my life was in danger the whole time. Like that was not that's this is not, that's not where I'm coming from. It really is is more of a, an overall, I think, understanding of the world from the way that I see it. And I don't know the way that things happen out there nowadays and I'm just a little bit more concerned about. So one of the first things that Callie was talking about and something that I've learned too in terms of, of just being safe in my body is situational awareness yeah. um, and just being aware of where is my exit. Do you ever think about this, Jess? No, never. You know, it's so funny because I always do. I mean, do you remember when we went, not this and this last, uh, the podcast movement when we went to the other um, party that they had? Yeah. Where was it again? Was that the, where? At the hoedown? Was that the, where it was? Yeah. No, it, it was called the Stockyards. I just like calling it a hoedown. No, it was no, no. All... But it was the other party. Not the one that this year. The one from last year. The one at the House of Blues. That's what Yes. Okay. Oh, God. Yes. So when we went over to the House of Blues, I felt completely and utterly like I, I felt like I didn't have an out. Not due to anything that the podcast movement guys were doing no. or anything that the party goers were doing. It's just that I felt like I am being now hijacked into a bus and I have no exit. And the only way that I can come back when I want to leave is through this bus. And just, 
I couldn't get over that, Jess. That first time I couldn't relax because I couldn't get over that. Now that is something different than what you asked me. Oh, okay. You, All you right. asked me if I ever check my exits and the answer is no. I don't walk into like a movie theater and make sure I know where the exits are, which is actually the one place they tell you to look for them. Right. No. And I mean, I do that all the time, no matter what. That's what I'm saying. It's like, to me, the exit was, was that. I was but I will agree with you. I don't like to be bussed somewhere and at the mercy of someone else's time schedule. I do not like that. And it's not for safety reasons. It's because I'm controlling. Right. And I want to be able to leave when I want to leave and not wait for a bus or schlep to a bus or be at the whim of a driver. Like, but sometimes you just have no choice. Like if you're at a convention and people, I mean, they know that like, what, a thousand people flew in for that. How are they going to get everyone somewhere unless that, you know, they'll have to oh, totally. have everything in the hotel. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And you know, what was interesting is that this second time around after I knew what the deal was, like I knew, mm-hmm. okay, we all go this way. There's that. And then we come back. Like there was a sense of ease of the familiarity with the scenario. And I think that what happens is, at least for me, in terms of looking at the exit or how can I get out of here, that's like my first thing. I, uh, when I attend parties, when I attend conferences, when I attend anything where I'm going to be there live, I'm less aware or concerned with the actual schedule of what's going to be presented and more uh more aware of where do I need to go next? How can I get out of here when I want? Uh, when is there going to be the t- t- time for me to sneak away? Do, yeah. Will I have... I agree with you about all of this, but not for safety reasons. I do it for safety reasons. In a, well, I just do it because I know safety... I usually hate things and I want to leave. <laughs> right. No, there, and there's that. But I think for me, it's also being able to, to sense because I have this internal clock kind of thing inside of me where I sense when a party's over or... Or when yeah. people have now gone to a level of, I don't know, inebriation. Or, or when it's that, just not fun for you anymore. Yes, exactly. So yeah. then it's time for me to exit where it's like Usually you done. and I are the same. We have that same clock. This yeah. last time we didn't. No, we stayed a little bit longer than – because I was, ta- I was actually talking with somebody – when I was talking to Danny. You stayed longer. Never, you, you were know, talking I to was, Danny and Kate. You know, it was like one of, and you, yeah, but I, but I actually found a couple of people that I really wanted to talk to. So it was less about the party and it was more about, I want to yeah. finish this conversation here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas like the first time when we, when we, first time we were ever even together was in Vegas right. and we went to some party somewhere. It wasn't the house of blues. I think it was hard rock. And we walked in and we were immediately like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know where it was. Not Hard Rock. I don't know where it was. But yeah. I just remember feeling like this is not happening. We're tired. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how yeah, I Yeah, usually as well. we're on point with that. But this time, no. But yes, for me, it's more about because I want to go, not because I don't feel safe, though. Right. I think one of the hardest things for me, too, especially in situations like that, is something that I'm aware of as – because I, like we talked about it in the last episode that I'm very into – I walk a lot. I, you know, take public transportation. I like I do all of that stuff. So I'm really aware of like getting off a bus in a stop that I've never gotten off of or being in a new place and making sure that the first thing that I do is head somewhere deliberately. Right. Like even if it's just, you know, the, the, the corner, you know, drugstore or CVS or whatever to head towards that as if – I'm, I know where I'm going. I have a question for yes, you, though. Yes, go ahead. Do you think that our opposing thoughts about this are just because of the way we grew up? Or, or is it possible 
like in my head, I'm just sitting here wondering, like, this is what you're describing to me is a very pessimistic view of the world Hmm. that you immediately feel like you have to secure your safety. Whereas like for the most part in the world, I feel safe. I don't feel like people are out to get me. I don't feel like their shoe's going to drop. Like, and I'm only asking you this because I'm comparing myself to my husband, who's very pessimistic and very much like, that's not going to work or that's going to be terrible or it'll be too. Like every time I come up with an idea, it's like his first job is to shoot it down as much as possible. And I feel like it's because he's a pessimist. Whereas I'm always like, it'll work. It'll be fine. It'll be no big deal. But to me, I don't even consider safety. I just think, yeah, I'll get off a bus and like stand there and look at my phone for a minute. Like I don't feel, I just feel generally safe in the world. Is it because I'm naive or because I'm optimistic or am I optimistic because I'm naive or am I optimistic because I was sheltered and grew up in a small town the way I did? I mean, I don't know if you can even answer any of these questions. Maybe I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you're like to me, what you're describing feels a little it feels pessimistic and I feel sad that you feel unsafe so much. Yeah, I think that it has to do where I come from. I don't, I'm yeah, not a pessimistic person. I just know that there's bad people out there and p- bad things have happened to people to that you. I love. Yeah. yeah. And so if from, from that perspective, there's, I don't think it's pessimistic. I think it's being smart and it's being conscious and it's being aware and it's being uh, proactive in any situations. I can, you know, it's it, it's an inner sense of having to deal with with demons. It's what I, I honestly think it's demons. It's demons out there. But and how far you, can you take that? Like you can also sit, use the same reasoning for saying, okay, I'm going to take karate lessons because it's going to be smarter. I'm going to get a concealed carry for a gun because it's smart. Or I'm going to, you know, carry a pocket knife. You know, there's a lot of things you can use to that like reasoning I think like I'm just being smart because cautious is one of those things where it's just like you can excuse a lot of shit because you're being cautious oh you can excuse it yeah but there's yeah I think there's a difference between and your behavior is not it doesn't need an excuse but I'm saying you could take it you could what if you had like a mental glitch and got super paranoid and went a step further with it and got all the like what if you became like military Elsie you could use all the same excuses for what you're saying you could but there's I think that there is there I can't is even a, see you with like a beret and like <laughs> camo but there is, I mean there's been times you know I'm telling you I, I just I've seen you know I think it does Jess I mean living in a war zone does yeah. things to you I mean it does of course it does, of course it and does. It, I don't want my girls to ever go through that kind of stuff to in some way put those memories in a little box and and just keep them there. Well, they won't have to. Well, I know that's what I'm saying. But at the same time, it's like you cannot move through the world and not recognize that that's even a possibility. There is. It's out there. And pe- bad people sniff you. Bad people can sniff when you're not steady. And especially like and when I'm telling you I, in, in terms of the bus and going in and out and, you know, traveling to other countries and, and whatever, there's always a certain level of awareness that you have to have in the way that you move through the world. And it's not necessarily just doing things. It's a, it's a quality of, of that, of knowing what you're putting out. Right. And Mm. for me, it's not about being pessimistic. It's about being aware. And yeah, I think I also take it to the extent of, you know, we talked about earlier me walking up to a stranger and and 
you know, starting a conversation about podcasting, which to me is totally out of my personal comfort zone. That's not something that I do. I also don't like it when strangers come and talk with me either. You know, I don't like that. So see, I was just thinking something else, which is like, I'm probably painting myself as like an an idiot who just gets on the bus and like stares at the butterflies all day and like pretends that everyone is like normal and nice. I'm, I don't do that. I think maybe the reason I don't worry about it so much is because I do have a really good spidey sense for bad people and I stay away. Like, you know, like I'm observant. I'm not in my own little world. So to give you another example, if I'm in the train station and someone strikes up a convo with me, I'm usually pretty good at telling if they're trying to swindle me, if they're home, you know, homeless or somewhat homeless, if they're trying to butter me up for something, if they're trying to sell me something, or if they're just like biding time because they're in the same situation as me and our train is late or something. Like I'm pretty good at being able to tell people's motivation right off the get-go. So maybe that's why I don't worry about it as much is because – I don't know. I do have a pretty good spidey sense for people. I mean, and this goes along with not just like strangers, but people that other people have told me are nice. Like, I know when they're not nice. I know a dick when I see one. <laughs> pretty much immediately. Pretty much immediately. And not only that, but I'm also very astute at knowing an asshole online. I don't have to meet them. Right. I can tell you a dick from a mile away. Like, I can tell you which online entrepreneurs are assholes. I can tell you which podcasters are assholes. I can tell you their motivation in life. I can tell you what they're after from their audience. Like, I'm good at the psychological evaluation portion of the program. So I think that's part of why I don't feel in danger because I stay away from people that I think are don't have a positive motivation. And right. actually – I don't know if my daughter has this or not because I think she looks for people that don't have a good motivation and chats them up on purpose. Uh. I think she's intrigued by criminals. She always kind of has been. So um, I don't know. That's an opposite example. Maybe that's why I don't generally worry, like just in general. So uh, this is what I want to know. Let's say you're at the train station and let's say you're Penn Station, New York City. And you're downstairs in the train waiting part where you're just waiting to get on your train. Not at the uh-huh. upstairs part where everyone and their mother is. But, you know, there's like right. less people downstairs. Right. And a man in his, let's say, 50s, 10 years older than us. Maybe he looks a little dirty. Plaid shirt, jeans. Mm-hmm. No briefcase, no nothing. And he comes up and asks you what time the train's supposed to be. Are you nervous? No, I'm not nervous. Oh, then you tell him the time of the train. Then he keeps trying to talk to you. Are you the nervous then? Because then I'm just like, all right, we're done here. Yeah, no, I'm not. It's not nervousness. It's just, it, in, in fact, it's it. the other way around. Nervous is not how I would, I would, um, I would label what I have. What do you it have? Would literally, be it? like all of a sudden, you know, question comes up, answer it's given, continued conversation comes up. My energy, just everything about me, says, get out of my face. But not don't hurt me. Yeah, it's not like, no, 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 no. It's all, it's actually bigger. It's sort of like, oh, crap, I got to go. Like, that's usually what happens. It's, it's a just repelling m- kind of right, thing. Right, major where, irritation. It, no, it's actually like, oh, my God, this woman could kill me. That's oh. what happens. So the energy that I put that's out different. is not yeah. fear. It's not nervousness. It's not, oh, my God. It's the opposite where the person who's talking to me is like, Okay, I got to get away from this woman. Like, oh, right you, now. you, you're the crazy person. I'm the crazy person. I'm the one that people. Why? No, no, no. Really? And, 
I'm not saying that it's because you have to move away from me. You have to know you do not mess with me. You do not come talk to me. You do not, ex- you know, you you don't have that right. This explains so much about your headshots. So, exactly. They're scary. I am scary. And so, but on purpose. On purpose. Because that's very interesting, and so it yes, it is. It's because I of that. Like I don't cower down. down, which is why that guy, you know, yeah. uh, of course, in hindsight, I should have given him my iPhone. But my first instinct is, you do not cross this boundary. It's interesting, and so then it's like, oh gosh, I have to go away. So for me, it's an embodiment of power rather than nervousness. And when I'm saying that I'm aware of what's Good going on around, it's more about that. It's like. You don't, it's like you have to exude that. It's like people have to immediately know there is going to be no other conversation going to come out of this woman. I think I do that too, but just on a much less scarier level. Yeah. But I, but I do walk around with purpose in a city. I'm not looking to be asked questions. Right. I'm rushing. I look busy because I don't want to be bothered. And I think that's a natural city reaction anyway. But, and I never, I never considered that it would be for safety reasons. My whole, just, just so this conversation, like my, my whole raison d'etre or reason for being is to avoid hassle, not to be safe. So like everything we're discussing that you do for safety reasons, I just do so I'm not hassled. I don't even think about my safety. I really just don't want someone to bother me. And I don't want to be somewhere where I'm being bothered. Like, like if we're in an event and I want an escape, it's because I, it's because something is bothering me in that event and I want to leave, not because I don't feel, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I avoid hassle at all costs. So that's why this conversation is interesting because it's just interesting to see, like, for me, the psychological motivation behind it. Yeah. I've always been a good observer of that, but I would have never, and I'm gl- happy to hear that it's like an embodiment of power and not, oh my God, I hope this person doesn't kill me. No, 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 no. It's like, I hope that they knew that they need to move out of my way. Yeah. But like, I still think there are people listening that are like afraid of their own shadow. Like I would never go to New York because, oh, oh my God, all the crime and no, I can't no, no. go See, there. There's like I've never felt like for me, not I have not made a choice based upon, oh my God, it's scary. It's just that you have to be ever so much more aware. I mean, you just, that's what I'm saying. So it's all really about situational awareness. You have to take control of that stuff. You have to know what your exit is. You got to follow your gut. You have to follow whatever instinct you have when you step in a physical situation at any time, whether it's with a lot of people or with one person or with no one, you immediately get a hit of insight right when you walk through. You've got this inner That's knowledge. True. You've got a spidey sense. We all do. But well, yeah. most of the time we go like, eh, I should not. And it's that moment is when you give it away. It's like you have to have that in. I felt, you know, when I was walking down that street, like I told you, when I was walking down that street, when that man came into or young boy, I don't know, even well, young guy, came to try to assault me with the with the you know the gun i had the spidey sense i was coming down the street i was you know and i also walk in the middle of the road i don't walk on either yeah i can't believe you didn't give me your damn phone i had it when i was coming down the street i'm like it's dark i'm sensing like i had an insight of something and then my the first thought that came into my head was what would happen if i needed would siri this is what the thought that came into my head would siri call 911 if i just press the button oh my god just that's what i thought out of random random thought and I was mm-hmm. like, that's weird. I've never taught about it. And then I saw the church and I'm like, I had this Im- Im- immense feeling to go, go inside the church. And then I doubted that again. And I said, why do I want to go inside the church right now? Mass started about 15 minutes ago. I don't want to walk in. It's late. 
And then I kept walking. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, that we get all of that insight. And I really don't think that that's because I'm psychic. It's because we are aware without being aware. We have all kinds of, of abilities to understand our world beyond what we think of it. And we tend to dis make those things go away. So when, when I'm talking situational awareness is... Of course, physically looking for your exit and to make sure that you're safe or your family's safe or whatever, just to take note. It's not like you're sitting there like writing on a notepad and you're getting all, you know, anxious about where your exit strategy is. It's simply walking into a room and looking around and going like, oh, there's three doors in the back. Oh, that's really interesting. And there's there. Oh, there's a door in the front. That's it. Just looking to know, yeah. you know, where you need to go. Uh, that's it. I so, generally approach things like that. I'm gonna, that I'm going to be fine. I, I I probably should think about it more, but I really don't. And then the next point is then, yeah. Uh, you, well, because see, cause this also so you, I know this says you can hire somebody to be with you, and of course, like you know, if we had like a, a, the ability to do that, cool. But let, let's say if we you know, but we've been doing the buddy buddy system most of the time. We are with each other, so somebody else is there, right? There's yeah. something that happens energetically again when you are with somebody that there is a obviously there's power in numbers and so there's something to be said with being with somebody else because there's two people that you have to deal with it's a much more massive amount of power to have to deal with that hey i just actually realized something um as far as the buddy system you know we were at podcast movement we talk about podcast movement this is the most recent thing that we were together yeah anywhere, totally anywhere near like home um i would say goodbye to you or say goodbye to whoever i was with and remain on the elevator alone or remain on the elevator, you know, with someone I didn't know. And yeah, I wasn't comfortable. I don't like right. that. And then, and then it was kind of like a just a little bit of a hike to my room. And if somebody else was there in the hallway with me, either going towards me or I got nervous. I don't want yeah. them to see what room I'm in. I don't want yeah. them to see where I'm staying. I don't want them to stick their foot in the door and murder me with the ice pick. Like, get away from me. And this is my room. And and I think it's because it's because I was by myself. If you and I have been sharing a room, anybody in the hallway, who cares? Right. But because I was staying by myself, it made me nervous. It did make me nervous, actually. Yep. So this is a good, I, I mean, I wouldn't hire someone, but it, yeah. but like, I always thought like, I don't want to have like a buddy in my hotel room. Like, I don't want to share a hotel room. But now I, I sort of think like, I see why people do it. Like, just so you can have someone have your back all the time, kind mm -hmm. of. Anyway. Yeah. And then, you know, if you happen to be doing something like this for work, um, you know, I still liked being by myself, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it is great to be by yourself. What I'm saying, but if you're doing this for work as well, just be sure to be with your coworkers or make sure you, you have a specific time that you all do something together or, you know, there are major times when, yeah. when that safety issue arises, you know, uh, possibly later at night when just like you're talking about going to your room by yourself that kind of stuff, or in transitional times between the end of something and the beginning of something else, when uh, you don't know exactly what's happening in that in that point of time, and you know you just have to be aware of possible time sucks or people coming up that you don't want, or you know it, usually everything that happens, and, and this happens in, in yoga as well a, a lot of the time, and this is what I teach a lot in my classes is. 
The majority of the time, injuries or harm happens to your body in the transitional times, in the transitions between one thing and the next thing. So if you're in a specific pose, usually people work very hard to stay safe and controlled and work hard to maintain whatever shape you need to do with your body. But as soon as the teacher says, and now we get out or whatever, you know, like transition to the next thing, there's a moment where your brain lets go and kind of says like, oh my God, thank God right? And then you sort of like send a signal to your body to say, it's time to let go now. And it's in that moment, in that moment to moment awareness or lack of awareness where you tweak stuff. That's when your knee gets hurt. That's when your back gets tweaked. And it happens when you're going in and out of cars. If you're going up and down the stairs, it's in the transitional stuff. It's not the thing that you did. It's the in-between. So that's the same thing that happens with situations. It's the same thing. You can be super aware where you're in the party, but the minute that you feel like, okay, the party's over and I'm leaving right now, the awareness kind of happens to go away. And that's when things happen. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, we just need to – and that's what – and for me, yoga isn't or, – or being advanced at yoga isn't necessarily about the poses either. It's about being able or capable to hold a certain level of attention from moment to moment that does not dissuade and that uses the optimal energy in between. So it's not like you're constantly like – in, in total vigilance because that's not what it is. It's using the best of your awareness expanded throughout so that it doesn't waver and you give the necessary energy to every situation, not more than necessary, not less than, than necessary. And that's, that, that takes time to navigate that kind of stuff. You have to practice, which is sort of what we have next, which is sort of like practicing disengaging from conversations what words do you use? Like let's say somebody has come up to you and you're just done or they're feeling icky or not even icky, but you're just done with the conversation. It's mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, you're finished. It's not like a safety issue, but you're done. What do you do? How do you, you know, tell them to move away from you? Or or uh, what is the language that you use? And that kind of stuff doesn't happen naturally for most of us. It it happens only um, if you practice a lot. I'm of the, the master of this. You are the master. I think you are the master of this. I am the master of this because I have attention deficit disorder and pretty much everybody I talk to gets in the speech. Because <laughs> I can only – first of all, I detest small talk. What and do second, you say? What do you say? What's the transition? Um, like what's the – Depending what's the on deal? the situation, my go-to is really I don't want to keep you because uh, then it makes it about – But that's great. That's great. I'm falling on the sword. And then they go – but then if they go like, oh, you're not keeping me. I have nowhere to be. Mm. And you say, well, I – well, I also – I mean that – that's cool. And then maybe I'll talk for another minute and then go, I hate to cut you off, but I am running late to do X, Y, and Z. Or I hate to cut you off, but I have to, you know, but I, I've got to use the restroom before X, Y, and Z. So, like, if all else fails, I use the bathroom. Mm. And then, God forbid, they have to go to the bathroom. And then I'm just screwed. But, well. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but mostly it's like, first I go, I don't want to keep you. And then they go, oh, okay, I know you're busy. Sorry. And then, and the, or I say, um, I I hate to cut off this conversation. I've so loved meeting you, but I've got to run. I need to get to X, Y, and Z. And then I have to. I mean, the thing is, like the way that you phrase this, or I guess the way Carly phrases is, how do you get them to move away from you? I don't. I move away from them. Mm. Now you're at a booth. You're stuck. Right. So for you, or if and if you are somewhere where you're stuck, just say, I hate cutting you off, but I really have to. Um, I just have to take care of some stuff. 
Right. But give me your card and we'll talk about it later. Yeah, you know what she mentioned be was, vague. was really intriguing to me and I didn't really understand that. And then not to make people – not to, and again, everybody that's listening, it's not that we're address, like we don't want you to approach us. So I don't want you to think that. It's just this is it's simply a conversation that we've, we've all been in the opposite situation at some point. And I think that we can learn both as people who are approaching somebody and also as people who have been approached in the past. But this is something that I kind of – Kind of intuitively known sometimes that there are times when, let's say at the booth at Libsyn, if somebody comes in and um, you give them, like she mentioned, 20 minutes of attention. Which that's I thought a lot was really great. Booth. That's a lot of time, but it's also a very specific amount of time. And and there's something about 20 minutes that's really I, I don't know. For again, going back to yoga practices, there's something that happens in 20 after you do 20 minutes of something that starts to shift your perspective and your understanding. So anyway, if you're having me, a conversation like with somebody for 20 minutes and they're in front of you and you're giving them their under your undivided attention and you are like. A, at a booth, right? You are the booth person. Somebody comes in. There is a certain kind of understanding that happens from the other side where it's like, oh, they're giving me all of this attention, whether it's you know, it's conscious or subconscious. There is no limit to this. It's like there's there's something that happens with that range of time that things have now changed. And there is a sort of like a, an intimate uh, a possible feeling that happens from there, right? From being with somebody that long. Uh, eye to eye, talking and listening at the same time, because that's what we have to do. It's our job. Yes, I don't want to no. sit there and like look at my my computer. Or, you know, when there's when there's something happening. But I think that it's less time. It's not twenty minutes. But anyway, that's just something it's way to, less to time. think about. Why? Yeah, totally. But twenty minutes seems like forever, right? But still, I mean, there's something that can happen in that situation. So, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, if I'm at a booth and people are hogging my time, I just say, it's great talking to you. I'd love to continue this conversation another time, but I really have to get back to um, this. Or you can say, like, my boss is going to kill me if he sees me. You know, I make up something. I have to do something. Yeah, because there's always that. And we just, we forget that time could also, time and attention can also be a clue to somebody else that this is, it's an intimate, it's now a, a deeper type of a relationship, whether or not it's yeah, the they truth can't interrupt. or not, you know? Right. So that's, that's very intriguing. And, you know, there's also something as a, again, as a yoga instructor that I had to be very, very aware of, you know, you touch people's bodies and you touch people's bodies in a very, in places that a lot of other people don't ever or have never put their hands on. <laughs> You know, I mean, there's a lot in, oh in a God. really kind of like sometimes in a private setting because I have been hired by men as well as women to to come to their house. And, and I put my hands on places in their bodies that, you know, other people don't or not in a like this kind of setting. You've got to go in with a touch that is very strong and and you convey uh, a specific thing through that touch and also through the awareness and attention that I that I speak with uh, with students, and thankfully my touches have never been um, <laughs> thought as something other than what they were. But in lieu of that, I've always been able to. That's why in, in teacher training, at least for us, we were told that a physical adjustment is the last thing that you give a student, even though they are the most, b- because they are the most powerful. And also, there's also a lot of time when a student really craves a physical touch from you because they are so transformative. But at the same time, you need to learn to do that kind of stuff. So 
um, there's that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. So safety apps. How about that? This was a really good tip that she gave all to also, which I think that to some degree we do to to pre kind of like write your uh, uh, text or something like uh, come and get me right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, come yeah. and I'm stuck. This Find is good me. for dating as well. Yeah. So, and you put it onto the the text, and then that way you can very easy two t- taps of a button, and then your friend got the message, and they're there. Hopefully, you know. Yeah. So, um, if they check their phone, if your if, friend's not Elsie, if you're. <laughs> well, come on, your friend Elsie that was at the booth. So you she also have to well know, and that's time. true. I mean, if you're sending you a message to somebody. You actually did do really somebody, well this last time. Yeah, but but it's like you know, if you're sending a message to your friend who is doing a presentation. Don't expect yeah. them to come to bail no, you right. out when they're in not. the middle right. of something, you know? So whatever that is. So And, and there's also other safety apps out there. And for iOS, absolutely, you know, this can go beyond just like a regular conference sort of call. There's like ones that send automatic text messages to people uh, and, and things like that. And, and there's also alarm and sounds that come out of your phone, too, if you want to press that button. Uh, I had a couple of those. It's really cool. But anyway, I've never pressed the button, though. I've never have either. Um, so and then that's the preset protocol for texting out friends. And then what do you think about this one that she mentioned? And it's true. And, and, and not staying at the conference hotel. No, for such reasons. a pain in the ass. It is a pain. And I never. think that I might consider that maybe for other types of uh, events, conferences and whatnot, possibly. No, never. Such a hassle. Because this last time we couldn't stay at the hotel where NMX was, and it was so annoying. It was so you annoying. You were at Circus it Circus. Annoying. It was a nightmare. It is annoying. Yeah, you don't want to do that. I was at Circus Circus. It's a little bit of a crazy walk. But anyway, there's that. And there's also checking in under your star name. You could check in under the Angelina. You could pretend that you're some kind of superstar. No. Fred and Wilma. How does that even work, dude? So do you like just call up and say, like, put this in my room, but the reservation name is under and then give them some name? Uh, I don't don't know. know, Because don't... I think you need to have a credit card with Fred Flintstone on it. How does that work? I know. That's what I was trying to figure out. It's like, you know, that's really weird, right? Maybe you just tell them not to give out the name to anybody. Maybe that's it. I don't it. know. That doesn't I don't know. Mean... Neither, neither do I. I don't know exactly how that works. So if any of you guys have ever checked into a hotel under a pseudonym, tell us how that works with yeah. your with the way that you pay. Because that, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, don't you have to show a credit card? Isn't that yeah. like part of the thing? Wouldn't they know that that's not you? And don't you have to show an ID? You would think. So anyway, that's that's interesting. So if anybody of you that are listening has done this, we would love to hear what the scoop is on that. Because I, I kind of would feel really fancy if I checked under enter an, a different name. I think that would be kind of fun. It's like secretive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eh. Eh. Yeah. So here's another me. one. Have more than one email address, a disposable email address maybe. Um, and so that you use a specific one that you use at conferences. So that you can... Again, hassle. <laughs> never happening i can't do it i cannot do the extra hassle i'm just you know what there's these are not safety tips for people with attention deficit disorder that's all no and it could be and i i understand how much of a hassle and it depends on how much you value what you value or you know what what it's worth exactly if you think it's too much hassle if somebody else could do it for you or whatever and manage it there's a lot of the stuff that if somebody else would manage it for me i'd be in a a heartbeat yeah just do that just do that yes Mm -hmm. set that up yes do that whatever and is you know that's hassle-free if somebody else is doing it for you 
I mean, my husband has like disposable emails and junk emails and this email, but he's also the opposite of me. Like it's okay for him to be extra hassled. Like to me, if like he's also the person that will stay on the phone with like Verizon for hours fixing stuff that's wrong or testing things. And I'm just like, I've got to go. Just come over and fix it. Goodbye. He'll be yeah piddling around with stuff for hours. So he's somebody that would do this. I, on the other hand, I'm just like, I'm not having two email addresses. Like, there's no way. I'll and- just block someone or spam someone or I don't know. I'll just deal with it if it happens. Yeah. I, I, I understand that now. And and this is not in the show notes, but I want to address something here too that we didn't yeah. talk about before, yeah. which is, you know, how people get hacked all the time, their emails yeah. or Facebooks, they're all this kind of crap. And Jess, I'm going to call you out here because I don't think that you use a password management system. And I, I think don't. that you totally need to because that's like not, and because I think it's the hassle is because of the hassle, isn't it, Jess? Because I can't rem- Yeah, I'll never know. Why don't you use like one password? I use like a I use a combination of like five different passwords. No, no, no. I'm saying, why don't you use one password, the app? Sorry, I was not clear. Oh, I don't know. I guess I could. Dude, you should. It's like one password. It's how simple is that? And I've been using it for years and it's like the best thing ever. I can change things around. Everything is different. It's not an extra step. It's like you go through and instead of me having to remember. And and here's the thing, because this, I just started to think about all this stuff. It's like, there's so much information that people can just go get into with all of your email stuff. It's insane. There and is so much stuff for, that people have access to. It's not and even And especially with things of Facebook, you've attached so many. Think about just the Facebook account and your Facebook apps account with all the information that's already in Facebook apps. All your stuff is already in there. There's just too much, too much for you to not be hassled by this. There's, I have to tell you that I've been amiss in not turning on to, you know, two-factor authorization on Google because it is a pain. It's a pain because it is a pain, period. But you have to deal with it. And that's the kind of, it's just so important. But I do have it set up for Facebook. So if anybody tries to log into any kind of like a, a browser that is not recognized, an IP address that's not recognized, a new device that's not recognized, I get a text message, period. Mm. And so then I have to approve whether or not that was me or not. Actually, I have that. So that's good. I do have that for Google because somebody just tried yesterday to log in as me from Vietnam, but it's an old Google account, very old. Yeah, yeah. And I had to change the password. But yeah, for the most part, it's like a combination of five of them. And then whenever I log in somewhere, I never know which one I've used. But at least I don't have like one for each thing. That's like 200 passwords. Yeah, no, I understand what you're doing. And it's not like your password is password. Or no. one, two, three, four, five. You know, no, I get that. Not even close, right? And and then you know, for me, and to, to sort of kind of figure or remember certain things, there are some that I do use a lot, and there are uh, not a lot of the same, but um, I vary on that same kind of thing, and then I add other stuff to them, and I do mm-hmm. change them periodically. Like there's times when I will I will just change it. I will just change that podcast. I'll test the, and it's a pain. It's a pain in the butt. Like the other day, when we published the feed last week. I had just changed my Facebook password and um, usually there's it just automatically connects. And I'm like, why did it not go on to Facebook? Ah, I got so angry and I was thinking like, did something drop? And then I realized I have not re-updated all of those like IDs to things that are connected to Facebook because there's so much. There's so much you just can't deal with. It's true. So anyway, and then so in speaking of that, if you want to know, I'm going to give you two bits of information. But we didn't here. talk about still... 
what how to deal with an online stalker. Okay, give me one second. All Let right, me give sorry. this this and then you, we can deal with that. So Security Now, Steve Gibson by the Twit Network. Uh, he has a YouTube channel, but he also um, streams for Twit, the you know This Week in Tech Network. It's a really great show for security, online security stuff, which is really great. Um, and oh, I cool. also found another podcast that was not working the last time that I checked, but seems like it's really great. It's called the Internet Safety Podcast. Duh, perfect name by Charles Knutson, and he seems very good as well. Uh, unfortunately, the last time that I contacted him, his, the, our, his RSS feed, for, for whatever reason, was not working. Obviously, he's not with Libsyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it was really, really great, and I think those are two things. But definitely, Steve Kipson's Security Now, it's, it's deep. It's very like, you know, tinfoil hat, but it's great if you want to kind of check out other things such as that. But now, go ahead. What do you do when you have an online stalker? I don't know. I'm just saying we haven't talked about it. Um, I'm just wondering, like, maybe is that like a whole nother episode or? Oh, right. Yeah. So why don't we ask? Well, what do you do when you have an online stalker? Does anybody have any tips? Any anything that you've done? Have you had somebody that's been like writing you behind in choices that you've made? I mean, I just block the hell out of them on everything. Right. Yeah. That's really so all is, I know how to But do. I mean, maybe there are some specific tips. And, uh, and this is for you stalkers. So, you know, <laughs> we don't want you to be perceived as a stalker if you're not. And I, and I know, and, and Jess, you know, often uses, and myself, use this, that we are stalking people in, you know, in fun. But uh, you never know when somebody is really going to think like, what is this girl doing? Why is she in my face all the time? So, you know, mm-hmm. if you're in, in a physical location together, give them plenty of space give people plenty of space don't get in their face and if you don't know what that is just think about sticking your arm out in front at least an arm's length away from somebody at least Mm -hmm. so if you don't have that sense for yourself just do that you know and if there's more distance that the other person needs towards you they'll move closer let the other person move closer rather than you moving closer to them Respect yeah. people's time and energy. So that's really huge. You can go in and out. And that's something I was really conscious to with Callie. I don't know Callie. I just met Callie. I didn't want to be like, you know, I wanted to make sure whatever that boundary was. And, I, you know, when we got on the phone, we chatted for 30 minutes. I told her right away, these are the questions that I have. Thank you so much for your time. We're done. Mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't want to be like, so how's the weather? Where do you live? We, you know, like there's no reason for us to be <laughs> chit-chatting about stuff. We need to get right. to it. This is what I need to do here. Um, be clear about what you want from the person that you're approaching. And that's, again, with Callie was the same thing. I was very, this, these are the things that I need help from you with. This, this, and this, and this. That's mm-hmm. it. There was no other expectation. I didn't want her to do anything else. Um, and I hope that she felt comfortable enough sharing this information with me because I was clear about what I wanted, gave her her own boundaries, and we were able to keep moving, right? Right. Um, and then say what you want clearly and succinctly from people that you're approaching and be willing to understand that somebody that you requested something from or had a question from that was not answered, they may not respond to you. Not because they don't want to, but there's lots of things going on a lot of the time. And then sometimes people forget. So be respectful of that too. And don't expect people to follow through mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot with you, even though, you know, follow-up emails are really great. Um, but just don't do it like over the top. What do you think about that? Jess? I agree. One. Okay. And then leave people alone. Yeah. Do it up. And then, Maybe or, two, like a week later. And yeah. That's like it. with some space, right? Yeah. 
So and, and then not make, like you're obsessed. Don't act obsessed. I think what it's, it is too, if it's not like, enthusiastic, if it's, it's scary. Yeah, I think enthusiasm is great, but I think when you feel like you're you committed to something that you never committed to, and somehow that's coming through in the email, then then that's not so good. It needs to be like an easy out. You need to be able to say like, you know, if you're comfortable with this and this and this, I'd love to follow this conversation. If not, I'll catch with you uh, up with you next time. You know, right? So, um, so everything is right there in a non sleazy way. It's straightforward and not creepy and weird. And I know creepy and weird is super subjective. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but I think we all get a sense of what that is, right? Yeah. And if you have a doubt sending an email thinking that you might sound creepy and weird, I would say then, you know, remove a couple of sentences. I don't know. Make it, you know, follow whatever that is. So anyway, <laughs> there's that. There's yeah. that. So yeah. people, uh, so what do you think, Jess? I think that we've now, we've now gone um, over a pretty decent amount of time oh here. God. So if you guys have any feedback about this, I saw that we got some really great feedback on our last episode. Kelly, Connor, Sunrose, thank you so much for listening and loving the show. We appreciate you. Um, so if you do have something else to say, you can email feedback at shepodcast.com. Feedback at shepodcast.com or leave us a 90-second uh, voice feedback over on SpeakPipe, and that is SpeakPipe.com. You can speakpipe.com. say a lot in 90 seconds. You can say a lot in 90 seconds. SpeakPipe.com slash ShePodcast. And I got to say that, yeah, Harry, did you hear how lovely Harry's message was on SpeakPipe? He sounded fantastic. He was calm, and he wasn't rushing, <laughs> and it was in less than 90 seconds. Was that not It was genius? a minute. That's right. It was yep. genius. So yep. if you are going to leave it, just think about how you can get succinct and getting in and out. So that is it. That's it. Thank you guys so much. Oh, uh, we want to let you know that we are starting a podcast education series of webinars. The first one is this Wednesday, the 9th, and it is with Parviz Parvizi of Clamor, and he's going to tell us all about how to use Clamor for podcasters to get more audience. In fact, let me just read you the title because hold on one second. Sorry. I should have had that ready, and I do not. Oops. Making your audio social. Lessons learned from Clamor. And he's going to tell mm, us all about nice. Clamor Basics, how to use it as a social syndication tool for Facebook and Twitter, taking advantage of widgets and playlists that they offer. It's really, really cool. So please join us. Go to ShePodcast.com. You can see the event right on the homepage. And sign up. We'd love to have you. We really want to have you. So, And it's Yay. Clamor. You know we love Clamor. Clamor's yeah, we awesome. do. We do. I love, I, lo- I love Clamor. I love Clamor. So yeah. we'd love to have you. So you'll, we'll get more information out. If you follow us in social media, you'll yes. get that the insight there. If you want to sign up for a newsletter, you can go to ShePodcast.com. Or you can even just follow us uh, on Twitter at ShePodcast or join the Facebook group because it'll be in there as well. And that is ShePodcast.com slash group. So yes. We hope to hear from you guys next time, guys. And um, let us know if you like this conversation or if you have anything to add or, or if any dissen- dissenting words. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bye, Elsie. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>